Side Talk, Side Talk Podcast. What, what, a wonderful, <laughs> what a wonderful intro on this wonderful day that we're recording this podcast. Who are you? I'm Rachel Morgan, and I don't ever care about presidents, ever. <laughs> but I'm so happy today because this will be a little dated when you hear it, but there's no longer a particular being in the seat of the president. We are recording this on <laughs> Inauguration Day. I'm Corey Kraft, by the way. Recording this on Inauguration Day, uh, we have a new president, and so we have to take a moment to acknowledge that the that Donald Trump, the weirdest goddamn person to ever be president, along you know a couple other faults that we could point out if we wanted to, uh, is no longer president of the United States. So we're a little loopy and delirious and fired up and and happy today. So it's good podcast recording time. It would be it would be one of those things where if he if, it, if the office wasn't president, there'd be a lot of funny fodder in there. Right. But the but he was in charge of all shit of yep, everything. Yep. The the former host <laughs> of The Apprentice. Um, just what can you say? And why, why don't we say other things about yeah, other subjects? We're not experts on this matter. We're going to talk not about. That you have to be an, clearly. You no, don't have to be an expert yeah, on anything to, right? to be in really, really high positions. I mean, I might as but, well be president next. Who gives a shit? <laughs> but before Corey's president, we're going to do a podcast, and that is side talks. And I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. And I'm Corey Kraft. I'm running for president in 2024. Uh, look for my campaign soon. Let's talk about movies. Let's do it. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. fight. You know what it's time for. It's time for a five-minute fight. Five-minute fight! What are we fighting about, bitch? We are fighting about Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy, a movie starring a person you don't like, directed by a person you don't like, and yet you are defending this movie. Now, Rachel, I rewatched this movie this afternoon, and I have to say, what are you thinking? <laughs> Oh, you know how I am. Uh -huh. You know how I roll. Uh, I'm just, look, Kevin Smith is a, okay, this is how this thing gets started, right? Is that you, you thought for, you thought that Ben Affleck. Oh, putting like, it on me. You huh? were going to say like, oh, well, one of the worst things about him is that he, he made these, he's in these Kevin Smith films. I'm like, yeah. that's one of the best things no, about him. And disagree. that's what caused us to get to a place where I'm like, I actually liked Chasing Amy. Okay. When it came out, when it was released. Yes, I'm old. I'm old enough to have seen it in the, in the cinema. Um, and I liked this film when it came out. Uh, it was a moment. And that moment doesn't currently hold up. So you're smug over there. You just rewatched <laughs> it in 2020 fucking one. I, I know. So come on and bring it, bitch. I'm bring not, it. I'm not uh, going to take Corey the tack that again, you no. think I'm going to take with this. Corey, I, once again, is going to come at some... Uh, he just... I'm almost like, are you anti-lesbian? Anyway, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, because... Chasing Amy is such a sensitive exploration of, of the lesbian oh, identity. Oh, here we go. Um, I'm in trouble already. No, look, I'm not going to come at it for being a 1997 movie about sexuality because, of course, it's out of date, right? Like, uh, I don't think that this is a hopelessly hashtag problematic movie, right? I think it's an earnest, naive yeah. movie uh, that that is is clearly the product of a 26-year-old guy who's like, well, I'm sensitive, so I'm going to try to to make a movie about what it, you know, what it would be like to be in this situation or whatever. And but, I have a gay brother. Sure, and yeah. I have gay friends. Right. And I'm and I'm an outcast. And he was I'm like, a comic book outcast. At that point, I'm a hanging out guy. with Guinevere Turner and all of right. that. And so, um, you know, there are a lot of 
things that we could point to as inspirations for this movie. Uh, the problem is it's just bonkers. I mean, it's just not it's not successful really uh. um, at its at its aims. Okay, I took some notes, so I'm going to read some of my notes to you. Go quick. Uh, for the reasons that, that I don't time. like this movie. Uh, the 90s jokey joke dialogue is cringy and outdated. Yeah. Um, though, you know, I'll admit a few of the jokes are still funny. Um, uh, all the performances are bad or awkward because Kevin Smith is not a good director of actors. Um, he's not a good director at all, either. The movie looks like shit. All his movies look like shit. Um None of the characters really make sense as written in any way because none of the men in the movie seem to have ever even heard of lesbians, much less ever spoken to one. Um, but that also seems true of Kevin Smith in a way, despite the fact that he uh, wrote this movie. Apparently in 1997, the word bisexual had not been invented uh, because the movie's implication seems to be that lesbianism is a temporary condition that can be cured when somebody meets the right man. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, yes and no. Let me jump in okay, here. Because you're, you're burning up some time here. I mean, I this is one of the first films that ends up where the dude doesn't come in and actually get the girl. He does lose the girl. Spoiler alert, but he does lose the girl. For and the so, most ridiculous so, reason no, ever. Mm, no, not exactly. It's really kind of a boiling point of jealousy. and sure. and, and of And of jealousy of all kinds of things. And so, I mean, it, it's... I, here, okay, for, this is one thing I should say. Disclaimer, I am friends with Guinevere Turner. Uh-huh. She's a friend of mine. I was not friends with her at the time I saw this film. Sure. So I, you know, I do lean a little into the, like, I, it, this film has her blessing. She's in it. It is a bit of a story about her in a sense. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that, I, I, I think that that little comment goes a long way. Um, I also think that it's not as bad looking as you say it is. Eh. It's really, really entertaining. And at the time when it came out, I, this is this comes out a few weeks before the Ellen episode yeah. where she comes out of the closet. Right. I, I saw so, that today. And, and they're actually shooting in places like Meow Mix because they, mm-hmm. because they had Guinevere you know, they're able to get them access to some of these actual spaces. And so it is this sort of benchmark. Is it an important film in queer history? No. Is it problematic when it comes to, to – yes. Is it is it sort of innovative, though, in the sense of, like, gender fluidity and sexual yeah. fluidity? Those things are there, and it's a little ahead of its time in that way. That was a note that I had, too. It's, it's a naive take, but I have to give it some credit for having a take at all in 1997. Right. Okay. Go ahead. I'm. I have more to say, but I'm going to let you. I, I just. You know. The 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 climax of the movie in which Ben Affleck proposes his threesome idea um, and thinks that'll solve all of his problems. I know that the Affleck character is supposed to be painted as kind of a dope by this point in the movie, but I can't tell if that proposal is earnest or if it's meant to be played as a comic moment. I think it's supposed to be both. Hmm. I think it's supposed to have a nuance that it probably doesn't have. But at the same time, what I will tell you is that when I saw this film in the theaters. That moment went over like gangbusters. I know that's going to shock you. Yeah, but it does, that particular actually. moment was really, really well received, and people loved that shit. Now, it's—is it far fetched? Is it? Yes, but I think what it's getting at isn't, which is this sort of this sort of bromance thing right. that has an actual potential. I mean, this is where eventually. Okay. Oh. Well, no, but that's an interesting point. I mean, the idea of this movie, like. I know that we're over time, so this doesn't count for the official fight, right? I mean, Sam's probably already made up his mind. Well, but but the idea of of Jason Lee's very homophobic character sort of nursing the secret crush on Affleck or whatever. Right. I mean, that's interesting, right? It's interesting how it's dealt with. There are surprising nuances at some at various places throughout this movie, which makes it difficult to dismiss totally. I don't hate this movie. 
Uh, I just don't think it works, and I definitely don't think it works 24 years after yeah, its creation. But what it does on the timeline of independent film is important. And I will but say Clerks that. Clerks is more important. You know what? Clerks was not as mainstream as Chasing Amy. No, I, it wasn't. I, yeah, I figured that. that. That's that's true. I think I think you know Clerks ultimately is a better encapsulation of of the Kevin Smith thing to me, mm. um, especially the, less watchable. Um, I don't agree with that. Okay. Anyway, well, Sam, we're now arguing about Clerks, so you should take get, get in here before. Um, uh, Sam kind of looks like Silent Bob today. <laughs> <clears throat> I would. I was just saying how, like, I wanted to see how long y'all could keep going. It just kept on going and going. I know. We could you, go You longer. really don't want to know we that, We didn't want to say anything. We were, like, sitting here fascinated. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I'm going to just go ahead. I'm just going to go for it. Rachel gets 500 points for the pure aggressive debate skills, and Corey <laughs> gets 500 points for his subtleness and prose and use of notes. Got to recognize preparedness. Um <laughs> But Ben Affleck really is such a conundrum. Like, you feel bad for him, then you hate him, and then he's sort of likable, and it just sort of rotates every day. Um, and I think y'all y'all actually agreed at some point on the movie. Um, I'm just going to say Corey wins, though, because he is, once again, a friend to all women, including oh my God. Joey Lauren Adams. <laughs> Damn it. Um, Corey! Uh, Corey! <laughs> will you... You won the fight, Corey. What is, the, is, the that, real is that Joey Lauren Adams? Is she here? <laughs> She's in the studio. Wow! Thank you, Corey. I'm such a, I'm not really a fan, but but <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Today is America, <laughs> USA, USA, USA. <laughs> All right, let's go. Big big bucks. Today's my day. Let's go. Big bucks. No whammies. No whammies. Big bucks. Big bucks. Here we go. Stop. Guess what time it is. I don't know. What time is it? Well, the storms are coming. So Uh-oh. that should tell you it's time for the filmmaker lightning round. Take shelter. That's not the filmmaker. The filmmaker in question today. Did you hear that lightning strike? I did. I did. Or the, the thunderclap. I guess you don't hear lightning. You hear thunder. This is riveting podcast. This is not a science the, um, podcast, Corey. <laughs> the filmmaker that we are going to be talking about today is uh, Darren Aronofsky, uh, inspired by recent news of his upcoming film with Brendan Fraser, The Whale. So, Rachel, what is a Darren Aronofsky film that you love? Black Swan. Mm. <laughs> I know. Um, and you're going to really dislike... I mean, this is probably going to lead to a five-minute fight. I'm sure You're going to dislike a lot of what I have to say about Aronofsky. Uh, I had no doubt. I had no doubt that that would be the case. <laughs> you probably don't like Black Swan because there's like a lesbian sex scene in it, and you pretty much hate every lesbian sex scene. I do hate scene. lesbian sex scenes. Um, Corey hates lesbian sex. My, he just my, said it. My problems with Black Swan, <laughs> I do have problems with Black Swan. It's not one of my favorite of his movies. It is customarily the movie that everybody loves of his, though. It's obviously Number one, one for which... Number one, bestest. I mean, he got an Oscar nomination for Best Director. The movie got an Oscar nomination for Best Picture. I do need to rewatch it at some point, but I've never been a huge fan of it. Simply, I, I just kind of find it bargain basement. Um, oh, God. R- Polanski. Well, watch it again. I Sam, do you hear what I hear? A five-minute fight yeah, for Yeah, just next write episode. it down. Anyway, I just kind of said what I needed to say, but I'll rewatch it. Um, a, f- a movie by Darren Aronofsky I love is The Fountain, which <laughs> is not a movie that can be ridiculed by anybody. Um, no, look, he is, he is a movie where – or he is a filmmaker where every movie he makes is so weird that I could see either of us going either way on pretty much everything that he's made. Yeah. Uh, but I do love the 
fountain, uh, it's, which is a bonkers, ambitious sci-fi semi-epic with some really wonderful music and special effects. Uh, what's a movie by him that you like more than most people seem to? You know, because I dislike so much of his repertoire, <laughs> I'm not sure that there is one, but I would I would go with The Wrestler just because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I – don't, I, I would just go with The Wrestler. It's a, that's a great movie. I it's love that movie. movie. Um, I like Noah more than most people. I really like Noah. I I think uh, Aronofsky is kind of um, a visionary when it comes to making something new and original out of the tired old biblical epic. Yeah. Um, Nobody else likes that movie, though. So, Hmm. you know, what are you going to do? Okay, so let's get into it. Since you say you don't really love uh, many of his movies, I guess most everything could fall into this category, which is a movie that you don't like as much as most people seem to. Requiem for a Dream. Uh, Why? That movie is vomitous to me. Wow. It is. I just don't care for it. Somewhere a lot of college freshmen just, you know, their voices screamed out in pain and were suddenly silenced. Exactly. It is a it is a uh, film for every non-film major who was like, well, I was going to major in film, but my parents really wanted me to go to med school. Mm. And that's their favorite film. Yeah. So I just, it. I get it. I get, it. it's, mm, I don't like it. It's a difficult film to watch. Yes, it's not it, it is, is not a fun film and that doesn't necessarily ha- I mean you know me. I like a t- Look, I mean I, We've talked about Lars von Trier on this I'm podcast a big like, fan of like Lars von Trier. 36 times. So. so why I don't like this film other than it's just totally vomitous and feels in that same place as Train Spotting which is I just don't want to watch. I don't want to be watching what I'm watching. Yeah. It's it just, is it's unpleasant. Bleh. It's unpleasant in a way that isn't palatable and that I don't that I don't benefit from in any way. But you know what? I'm also, um, you know, fuck that film Mother, too. Well, I mean, I was going to bring that up, too. His style for a lot of these movies, but those two in particular, is, it, or it seems to be unendurable, you know, tension and 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 revulsion. But it's supposed to be cool, and that's what bothers me. I don't what know if Mother's supposed like, to be cool, but Requiem well, Requiem is. certainly is. Yeah. I think Mother's supposed to be cool to a degree. Mm. And by the way, my favorite part is the baby being ripped apart. So I don't have – that's not what's, right. what stopped me. Uh, that almost started a riot when I saw that in theaters. <laughs> that and the, you know, the very end of the movie where Jennifer Lawrence just gets the shit kicked out of her uh, and it's just graphically portrayed on camera. You know, There were people who were just ready to rip the fucking screen down. So just so they know, this is a little insider information. Not everybody realizes this, but we know something about filmmaking behind the scenes. Uh-huh. The baby wasn't actually ripped apart. Well, uh, that's that's huge news if true because I heard these Hollywood elites have, you know, their various nefarious uh, schemes regarding babies. Uh, I, I, we don't have to dwell on it, but a movie I don't like as much as most people is Black Swan. Um, I, I feel like I like that movie less than like ninety nine percent of people, but I yeah. do. I I will give it another shot one day. I will revisit it. It's just, you know, I I thought it was kind of overwrought and kind of a Polanski take that like I didn't really mm-hmm. need. Um, and then is there is there any movie in his um, filmography that you might want to revisit one day? So I would watch The Wrestler or Black Swan again any old day because yeah. those are really – I mean, that those have this sort of element of fun that I appreciate, um, even though they're very dark. Yeah. But, uh, but I would say I haven't seen The Fountain. Mm-hmm. And so I will probably – You won't like it. I pr- <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm gonna say, I was actually waiting to see it when we did, a, we did our 20 for 20 series that, that then this pandemic yeah. came along and just absolutely imploded. But you had put it on your top 20 um, films of the last 20 years. That was one of your picks. 
And uh, I believe it ended up in the lineup, but I was going to watch it at the cinema on the big screen yeah. and, and didn't. I sort of waited for that. So um, I'll check it out. Well, I, I look forward to hearing what you think about it when you do, even if you don't like it. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure that you will because not a lot of people do. But I, I, I that that's a really special movie to me um, for whatever reason. Um a movie I need to rewatch. I just I said Requiem for a Dream. I guess I don't want to, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, really? Um, they just released it on 4K Blu-ray, and I've been like, yeah. uh, I don't know. I bet it would look good, but on the other hand, it's relentlessly punishing. So, yes. Uh, the jury's still out. Maybe one day I'll rewatch Requiem for a Dream on 4K Blu-ray. But see, you're not chomping to at the bit to do well, this. Well, I'm not, and I'm not. Just like the other day, I thought about revisiting Mother, but then I was like, oh wait, no, Mother is, um, no fun at all. I don't. I still, and I think we've talked about this. I still don't know how I feel about that movie. Yeah, we've talked about it a little yeah. bit. Um, well, and I, and I mean, I can see where you're coming from in the sense that. I'm kind of on board for the first 30. Yeah. I'm really on board for the first 30. And yeah, then, Michelle and then Pfeiffer just, shows up. You're having a good time. Yeah. Like, oh, this and is I mean, kind of interesting. I like Jennifer Lawrence a lot. Uh-huh. She's a, you know, we've had this discussion. She was, at one point in time, America's sweetheart. I don't mind her at the least. Um, but yeah, I, and I and I get that I'm I'm coming from an unpopular place here with Wackerlium. Like I I understand that a lot of people are going to disagree with me. I just and what I will give it is I show sections of that film in class when it comes to talking about editing. Yeah, there's some really gr- there's some good stuff in there, and I get why people are like, oh, it's cool. You know, I get it, but it is vomitous. It's it's visceral, that's for sure. But he is. I think that's a good word to describe his filmmaking style in general. It's, he's a visceral filmmaker, a divisive filmmaker. Uh, I'm sure that this Brendan Fraser movie coming out whenever it is is not going to make that any difference given the mm-hmm. divisiveness uh, that that log line has uh, inspired even before a frame of footage has been shot. Uh, so Darren Aronofsky, um, we see you. We're going to keep watching your stuff and having perhaps violently divergent responses to it. I'm excited about The Whale. <laughs> I, I am too. I really am too. It sounds so interesting and I'm excited to see what he does with it. Uh, So that is the Filmmaker Lightning Round on Darren Aronofsky. Tune in next time for more lightning. I don't know what we say at the end of these. Just Uh, that. That's it. Bye. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Side Talks. We're your own personal cinematic Johnny Slash and Muffy Temperman. I have no idea what that's referenced to. Maybe I'm Tepperman. I think I've got it wrong. No, no. You don't? Well, you wouldn't. This is a Square Pegs reference. Square Pegs. Square Pegs was a sitcom in the 80s with Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. And it is is really, really fun. Wildly beyond me, that reference. You might want to watch an episode or two. Yeah. Jamie Gertz is is Buffy. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I mean, if it ever comes up in conversation, now I'll know. Ah, you're talking about that, that character that... Jamie Gertz It's never, ever, pegs. ever going to come up in conversation. Yeah, but I have weird-ass <laughs> conversations, case in point. Um, True. So <laughs> thank you to Boutwell Studios um, for, for producing the show. Uh, check us out at SidewalkFest.com or on uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at SidewalkFilm. Uh, all sorts of updates there about what's going on at the Sidewalk Cinema. See you later. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.